Welcome to His Way Women's Bible Study with Linda Anderson. His Way Ministries is an interdenominational ministry established and committed to helping you experience a dynamic relationship with God. Now we'll join Linda in progress with this week's message. Let's enjoy God's love. Let's enjoy His presence. The testimonies from the weekend just keep rolling in. I keep getting testimonies from women about freedom, about healing, about deliverance, about just amazing things that God has done. Debbie, do you want to give your testimony now and get it over with? You want to get it over with? Would you welcome Debbie as she comes forward? You may be seated for just a couple of minutes. Debbie, come all the way up, all the way up here. Debbie has an amazing testimony of something that the Lord did for her, and you want to hear it. You want to hear it? Okay. Can you do it? You can do it. Ladies, I want to thank all of you so much for this last week, and I love each and every one of you, and even if I didn't meet you, I still love you, okay? (laughs) And I love to hug, so if you need a hug, come get a hug. (laughs) All right. Three years ago, I had an accident, and I lost my four fingertips, and um, I was in a lot of excruciating pain all the time. And um, I didn't like doing pain pills, but I started smoking marijuana. And marijuana, well, it kind of numbed everything. It didn't just take away the pain in the hand. It, you know, took my brain. It took everything. It, it literally kept me from getting closer to God because every time I smoked, my Holy Spirit, I felt like it would get choked out. And I didn't really worry about it back when the accident first happened because I really wasn't going to church and I wasn't reading the Bible and I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was just living life and going back and forth to work. And um, three months ago, I was invited to, um, well, the end of the His Way last year. I was invited and um, I came. I came every time. And then I was like, it was over. You know, I only got to come like five times. And then, <laughs> and then I asked the ladies, I said, where do you guys go to church at? Because I need a church. And they said, right here. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that. So I found a church, and I've been in the church for three months. Now, for three months, I've still been smoking. But now, literally, every time I smoked, it choked my Holy Spirit out. It would take my brain, and I would just, you know, it would cloud me with everything. But I had pain, and I didn't want to take pain pills. And, and I kept hearing over and over again, it's legal now, it's legal now. But that was Satan. Well, I came to the retreat, and I had a marvelous time. And I, the, the encounter room is where... <laughs> I felt it the most. (laughs) And I really, really felt it. Well, the three days went by, or two days, and um, I went home Saturday. And I remember Kimberly telling me before I left, Debbie, take everything that you've learned and take it with you and don't forget any of it. And I left here thinking, I'm on top of the world. I can do this. And I was so happy, and I went home, and 
three hours went by and I, I get this little nudge, like, you know, are we going to smoke? Are we going to smoke? I'm really nervous up here. So I smoked and I, I took just one hit and I was done. <laughs> I, I was convicted so badly that I went into my bathroom and I got down on my hands and knees and I just bawled and bawled and bawled. And I heard this little, this nagging voice again. I call Satan his nagging voice. He says, where are your ladies now? You're all by yourself. You came home and you didn't keep anything, did you? (laughs) And I'm like, and I'm just like, no, you have no authority over me. You have no authority over me. I am a child of God, and my women are right here in my heart. Every one of them. (laughs) It gets better. It gets better. It, It gets better, ladies. Oh, I have so much joy right now. I, I am just overwhelmed. Um, after that, I heard the voice of God. My ears, I said when I left here, my ears were open. And they were opened, but I just didn't listen. Well, I listened that time, and God told me, he goes, Daughter, I will take this. Just let it go. And I let it go, and I got up, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I chanted over and over again, God is in control of my mind, my heart, my body, and soul. God is in charge of my heart, my mind, my heart, my body, and soul. It has been three days, and I have not had one desire whatsoever. (laughs) And the pain... That has riddled my hand for three years. Pastor Linda prayed over me. And um, I have no pain. I have tingles here and there, but I call those growing pains. Because I think if that lady can get a gold tooth, I can get my fingertips back. Thank you, ladies. I love you. of you were here and heard the testimony about the gold tooth okay if you weren't here what happened is we had a woman one of our missionaries actually who came from chico and the lord in the last week he gave her a gold crown and a tooth that really needed a crown and it's it's proven it's indisputable it is evident it is concrete it is it's mind-blowing yeah. How many of you have thought about it several times who heard the testimony? Yeah. And you've just, doesn't it just increase your faith and cause your faith to just expand? Just like what Debbie with her testimony just did. Well, let's rise up because there is faith in the house. 
There's healing needed in this place. There's deliverance needed. And so we're going to believe God. We are going to believe God for the miraculous. Yeah, we're going to believe him. So you want to put your hand on your heart? And let's just tell him, Father, we believe you. (laughs) Almighty God, we believe you. Most High King, we believe you. We believe your word. We believe the scripture. We believe the testimony. Father, we believe the history. Father, we believe the experience. We believe you, oh God. We believe you. And now, Father, I thank you that we are, we are on the edge of revival. Yes. And, Father, I ask that we will not push back, but we will move forward. And that nothing will stop this move that you want to bring in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> to have in order for the Lord to come to your rescue? A problem. Pastor Leanna was just saying that this is one of her oldest daughter's favorite songs. She loves it. She loves to sing that Jesus came to her rescue. Has Ari ever had a problem? (laughs) Well, it, it is true that we need Jesus to come to our rescue, but it also is true that that means we have to have an issue so that he can fix it. Yeah, you're all saying, I don't want an issue. How will you get a testimony? Well, we are in Acts chapter 5, one of the most pivotal times in church history takes place in chapter 5. And part of the reason why the time is so powerful and there are so many miracles, signs and wonders, and severe mercies is because the church was under persecution. Now, a few times ago, I don't know, Tom and I have been to India so many times. Um, Not two times ago, maybe three times ago, we were in India and we were supposed to be going to preach at a church on Sunday morning. And they came and got us, the people who were going to take us, and they said, we're sorry, you can't go. And we, of course, we were so disappointed. And we said, well, why can't we go? And we were told that there was a mob waiting to beat us. Well, Yeah, I mean, it shook Tom and I up, too. And we started thinking, oh, no, this is horrible. But then that afternoon, a group of leaders gathered together, several pastors who minister in India, several church leaders. And Tom and I had the privilege of sitting in that circle with those amazing men and women of God. And they began to go around the circle and tell how last week this one had been beat. Last week, another one, his church had been burnt down. The next one told about how he was riding several miles on his bicycle every week to minister at all of his churches because he had so many. 
Tom and I then asked the question, so they must be in close proximity. And we were told that they were more than 20 miles apart. And we began to hear all the recounting of the stories of the persecution. And while they spoke, their faces shone. Did we start feeling wimpy? Yeah. And what did I tell Tom? I told him, let's go to that church and preach so we can get a testimony. (laughs) Of course, my wise husband said that would not be a good idea. But during that, the time of great persecution, so often God's church will rise and revival will become real. Now, in Acts 5, that's exactly what was happening. The church was being persecuted. The people of God, the disciples were being thrown into prison. But miracles were taking place. And so, as I say, we need a problem so we can be rescued. Our typical American mindset is, no, um, I want an easy life. Me too. But I want miracles more. And I want revival more. And I want a testimony more. And so we're pushing forward. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this amazing scripture. Lord, I thank you that we get to hold our Bibles in our hands. Oh, God, thank you that we have access to your word. Father, thank you that we have a biblical, we have this account, we have this history, we have this, these testimonies that are real, and we get to read them, and we get to memorize them, and we get to, we get to eat them. Oh, Lord, we love to eat your word. <laughs> and so, Father, may you just stir up a greater love for your word in this place. Now, Lord, would you take chapter 5 and make it relevant to our own lives? Father, keep us from fear. Keep us from um, from just trying to get out of stuff. <laughs> yes, Lord. Make us braver. Make us stronger. Make us more honest, Lord. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you want to take your outline, at the top of your outline, what have I entitled the message? What you don't know is I write so many titles in there on the course of the day as I put together the outline and I erase them and put in another one and change it again. Yeah, Uh uh-huh. Yeah, thanks, Tony. The top of it, respecting God's holy presence. If you want to also open your Bibles to chapter 5 of Acts. Now, in my Bible, in the Holy Spirit-filled living Bible, the heading on chapter 5 says, lying to the Holy Spirit. Quite a heading, huh? Lying to the Holy Spirit. Doesn't seem like a good idea. And at the top of your outline, I've given you a couple of scriptures from 
first one from Max 5 and the second one from Psalm 51. First one, through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Now we're seeing signs and wonders, but I want to see many. And I want to see what Acts says. It calls many unusual signs and wonders were done at the hands of the apostles, implying that there were many normal signs and wonders. But the unusual ones began to multiply. What would an unusual sign and wonder look like? Would it look like gold teeth? Or would it look like two people falling down dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit? (sighs) Now, I grew up with a reverent fear and awe of Almighty God. I was raised in a very conservative church that was strict, but I am so grateful that I was taught the fear of God. We were taught to reverence him, to not call him the big boss in the sky or, or the big dude or any of those kinds of things that we sometimes hear people say. We were taught to reverence Almighty God and to walk in the fear of God. I can remember even as a kid memorizing Mark chapter 8, verse 36, that said, what will it profit me if I gain the whole world and lose my soul? And I remember so many times using that scripture as my sword. When my friends are wanting me to do things that we shouldn't do, go to a movie that we shouldn't go to, whatever it was, smoke pot, Whatever it was, I would whip out my sword. What will it profit me if I gain all these friendships and all of this popularity and lose my own soul? And so I would whip out that sword and I would rehearse it in my mind and I would meditate on it and I'd say it over and over and over. Some of you know that I stood outside a movie theater one time in the cold for two and a half hours while my friends went inside because I just wasn't going to go in there and do what they were doing. And so I stood outside for two and a half hours waiting for him to come out. But I took that sword, Mark 836, and I continued to say it in my mind until my friends came out and looked at me like, I was so dumb for standing there, and they began to ridicule me, but I was strong as a lion because I had been meditating on the word of God. I was raised in that kind of fear and awe of God. I remember when my best friend in high school, she began to sleep with the boy that she was dating, and I remember that she came to me, and Tom and I had already been dating for three years, and She came to me and she said, oh, it's so wonderful. You and Tom need to do this. And she started telling me about this experience that she had had and having sex with her boyfriend. And and I listened to her. And as I listened to her, I I just felt the fear of God in me. And I said, I can't do that. God would see me. I remember a couple months later when she was pregnant, 
And when her parents advised her to have an abortion, and she went ahead with that procedure, and she lost the shine of her face. I remember so many times, and by the way, if you've had an abortion, and I know that many of you have, I just encourage you that God redeems that. As we go to him and and he washes us and cleanses us and restores us, that we're back to new again. The deal is asking him. My friend, for whatever reason, didn't ask him. And that's why she lost her shine. But many of you have asked him. You've been restored and redeemed. And, and it's no longer something that is shameful to you. It's something where you are so grateful because of God's healing. He redeems anything. So many times when the fear of God rescued me from doing something dumb. Now, did I never do anything dumb? Of course I did some dumb stuff. We all have. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I encourage you, teach your children If you have teenagers, whatever age they are, teach them the fear of God. We have a son who is turning 42 this month. That's shocking to me. Ah. (laughs) And we have a daughter, of course, Pastor Tamara, and both of them are amazing men and women of God, walk with God, love God. Our son... Both our kids are brilliant, but I'll just tell you about our son, Greg. Greg is a very, very successful businessman, and he, businessman, very brilliant. And he has told me so many times, Mom, thank you. If you had not taught me the fear of God as a child, I don't think I'd be walking with him. He said, so often my intellect tries to get in the way. But he said, because you instilled in me the fear of God, I cannot depart from it. There were times we didn't have a TV very often when our kids were growing up because I didn't want them to be people who um, depended on that. Consequently, they both learned to read and still read several books a week. But when we did have a TV at those occasions when we did have a television, we never, ever watched TV on Sunday, ever. Whoa, that's really strict. The reason why we didn't is because the Sabbath is really important to God, and he didn't change it in the New Testament. And so we didn't watch TV on Sunday, and we had family time. We had more fun than anybody We had scavenger hunts. We played charades. We did fun stuff. We didn't make everybody bow by the side of the bed and be really quiet and have devotions. That's not what we were doing. We were having fun and teaching the fear of God. Now, you might be sitting there going, they're real. Man, they were old-fashioned. That's really crazy. Um, It worked. Teaching your kids the fear of God. Well, in Acts, there was a 
reverence and awe, the fear of God that was, um, whoa. <laughs> I read several commentaries about Ananias and Sapphira, these two people who lied to the Holy Spirit and fell down dead because of it. And a couple of the commentaries I read said, we should not ask the question, why did they fall down dead for lying to the Holy Spirit? We should ask the question, why we're not all dead? (laughs) I like chapter 3 of um, Lamentations where it says, because of God's great faithfulness, we are not consumed. Seriously, because of his mercies, we're not consumed. Otherwise, we'd be dead. Because once again, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, there was a fear on the people in Acts. And did I read that? I read the first one, the many signs and wonders. The second one was King David said in Psalm 51, do not cast me away from your presence because losing his presence is worse than anything. There's nothing worse than not being able to find God's presence. King David said, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. King David had sinned, and he was crying out to God to please save him and rescue him. And I think part of that might have been because he knew what had happened to Saul, his predecessor. His predecessor had blown it. He had not obeyed the Lord, and consequently, he had lost his position and place. Whoa. Okay, number one, Acts chapter 5 is full of miracles, signs, wonders, and amazing church growth. Miracles. Listen to this from verse 16. All were healed. Do you see that word A-L-L? Wouldn't you like it if everybody got healed tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Well, all were healed. All of them. Um, The second sentence, Peter just walking past individuals brought healing. Just walking by them, if his shadow fell on them, they got healed. I want that for all of you. You go walking past somebody at the grocery store and they go, whoa, seriously. I remember walking past a woman one time who was talking to two other friends about being diagnosed with cancer and just heartbroken. And I didn't even know, but I walked by her and those three women went, what? And I just kept going down the aisle and out the church. And the next day she called me and she said, I'm cancer free. And then I said, Lord, I want that all the time. So Peter just walked by people and they got healed. Later on in Acts, we'll find that Paul got handkerchiefs, touched them. They sent them out to sick people and the sick people got well. Do you know that this is scientifically possible? Of course, I've researched it. It's actually like charging a battery. There can actually come a charge on that fabric that can be transmitted All 
I'll tell you more when we get to that chapter because I want to tell you the scientific proof. It works. You know it works. You have testimony. How many have a testimony of that working? Okay, signs. It's right in the middle of the second sentence. Signs. Shocking. Heart motives were revealed out in the open. This is what happened to Ananias and Sapphira when they lied to the Holy Spirit. Okay, then wonders happened. An angel spoke and took the followers of Jesus right through a locked prison door. The word says that the next day, the next morning, that the officials went to go and see Peter and John, who were supposedly in the prison, who were actually now at the temple preaching. The word says that they went to the prison to check on the prisoners. The guards were still standing there just fine, happy, you know, guarding the the prison. And the door was securely locked. So they unlocked the door, they opened the door, and it was empty. Did that really happen? Yes. I think it's amazing. And more. A Pharisee named Gamal. How do you say it? How? Gamaliel. Thank you. Gave a deep prophetic word. The disciples rejoiced after being beaten because they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus Christ. And the people of God were all in unity, harmony, and one accord. You can say the atmosphere was hot. In that kind of atmosphere, you better not play church. My husband on Sunday morning, he was preaching here at Horizon and During both services, I noticed that he said, he instructed, don't be an artificial Christian. That kind of hit me. I don't want to be an artificial Christian. It's kind of like an artificial plant. (laughs) Do you you know that one? Oh, here I go in science again. Do you know that one? One mature tree, one mature tree that leaves out will give 10 people all the oxygen they need for a whole year. Oh, thanks for caring. <laughs> so no artificial trees, please. Get real trees. So Ananias and Sapphira were number two were part of the early church on fire. But they did not reverence the presence. They were concerned about image. Now, I want to relate this quickly, and I hope that you will go after it on your own because I want to relate it to what happened to Cain and Abel in the beginning. If you remember the first murder that took place in the Garden of Eden, outside the Garden of Eden, was when Cain murdered his brother Abel. The deal was they were both bringing an offering to the Lord. But Cain's offering was not acceptable. And it made him mad. 
in Acts 5, both Ananias and Sapphira were bringing an offering to the Lord. However, it was unacceptable because their hearts weren't right and they were trying to get people to think that they were somebody for giving it. Now, why would something so severe happen to them? Let's go on a little bit farther. I gave you a quote from Benny Hinn from Good Morning, Holy Spirit. I know that some of you are probably not Benny Hinn fans, but this is a great book, and I recommend it highly. And I've been in several meetings with Benny Hinn, and the power of God was amazing, undeniable. So there you go. The experience of Ananias and Sapphira makes clear what will happen to people who disregard the spirit. Sin against the spirit is dangerous. If you don't understand the works of the spirit, don't talk about them. It is better to keep quiet. The Holy Spirit is the one who controls my meetings. In other words, he's the boss of the service. You need to ask him to take charge of your life too. Number three, we cannot hide from God. Acts 5 illustrates this principle twice because there are no locked doors for God. Okay, you can't hide from him. And Ananias and Sapphira thought they could trick God. Have you ever felt like you could trick God? Well, not consciously maybe, and maybe not something that you'd remember or admit, but I should have come up with some illustrations from my own life for you, because I'm sure I have. (laughs) I'm going to read to you from a book called Veritas. How many of you have read this novel? Anyone? Let's put it in the bookstore, huh? Marla, let's put this in the bookstore. Veritas. It is truth in Latin? Latin. Yeah, Latin. Veritas. It's really good, really good book. The author is Shantae, Shantae, Fieldhand, Feldhand. Yeah, I'll get some for the bookstore. Okay, here you go. I'm going to read to you an account of the unseen realm. There are two girls in college. They are best friends. One of the girls is getting... Um, seduced by a boyfriend. And the other girl is praying for her that she won't give in to temptation. And the Lord opens the eyes, opens the spirit realm so that we can see what's actually taking place. Okay. Sherry is the girl who's going off with her boyfriend, Stefan. Sherry pointed the remote at Stefan's television turning up the volume a notch, moved back to where he was sitting on the floor by his bed. She scooted back between his outstretched legs and leaned against his chest. Is that better? She glanced over her shoulder as she spoke. Much, much better. He put his arms around her, pulling her tight against him. This way my hallmates won't hear you when you holler for help. He dropped his lips to her ear, nibbling. 
Not that you would want to, of course. She giggled, tingles racing down her neck. He tugged at her shirt buttons, and for a while she enjoyed his touch. After a while, she took a deep breath, weakly batting at his hands. Stop! Stop! Do you really want me to? Sherry didn't respond. Her breathing was suddenly shallow. He massaged her shoulders. Well, well, cat got your tongue, or have you finally decided? Stefan. He placed his hands on her shoulders and turned her in his direction. She slowly rotated until she was facing him. Cher, it's time to take our relationship to the next level. Sherry started to look down at the floor, and Stefan placed his hand gently under her chin, tipping her face up. He looked into her eyes. You know I love you. I want to be with you. He ran his fingers along her cheek, her neck, her back. She closed her eyes. His touch was feather soft. Her voice came out in a whisper, I love you too. Then show me. Stefan got to his feet. He stood looking down at her and held out his hand. Show me that you love me too. Longing filled her eyes and her voice softened. There's nothing wrong with following your heart, Cher. You know you want to. Don't keep yourself from doing what you've wanted for so long. Don't keep yourself from me. He held out his hand again. For an embattled moment, every muscle of Sherry's body began to quiver with emotion, wanting to satisfy the longing while her mind and spirit screamed a warning to flee. In the spirit realm, the angel of God strained at the dark wall, crying out to his wavering charge, trying to break through the barrier she had built. He could see the barbed claws hooked into the young woman, the terrible anticipation on the faces of his adversaries. The words of the king, his king, the dreadful sadness rang in his head. Her choice. The angel of God called out to her again as scenes of other times, other choices, other consequences flew through his memory. Her choice. Her choice to keep herself for the holy covenant of marriage. Her choice to avoid the consequences of such a sacred loss. Her choice to wait for the unmatched delight of God's perfect gift. Her choice. The angel of God watched Sherry reach up and let Stefan pull her to her feet. Stefan set her gently on the bed. Her voice sounded faint through the dark barrier. What if your roommates come in? What if somebody knocks? Don't worry, they're all gone. Nobody will know. The demons of darkness leveled a triumphant glee and glare at the angel of God and spoke tauntingly, his words spilling over onto the young man's man's lips. Nobody will know. 
And as Sherry made her choice, the demons crowded into the room, raucous and cheering as they watched. Obscene words and gestures filled the air. The angel of God stood, a silent centennial across the room, his head bowed in pain. Right now in this room, there are angels of God. Maybe the Lord will open your eyes to see them. Maybe you will just know because while you believe, or maybe you've felt an angel touch. But right now in this room, there are angels of God. You have an angel that watches over you. You also have the powers of darkness trying to cause you to fall into temptation. Those angry hordes who we so often discount and pretend like it's just us. Nobody sees, nobody knows. And yet, there is a whole big arena that is wide open to heaven. Living with that knowledge of that truth will bring the fear of God so that we will walk in that holiness and that presence of God, that fear. Now, if I wanted to, if we had time, as a matter of fact, it's 8.30, I would love to, so many of you have heard me tell many times about the unseen realm and the things that we can't see because our physical eyes were never meant to navigate the, the, the things of the spirit. Consequently, we don't see in the dark very well. We can't see a speeding bullet. It moves too fast. We can't see germs, and I won't go into where they are right now on you. (laughs) But there's a whole microscopic realm that we don't have the capabilities to see. And it is arrogance to say that everything that takes place that we see with our physical eyes is all there is. There is a spirit realm. And there is the Father God whose eyes are scanning our planet right now. Looking. Hoping. Wanting to, to just minister and love you. Now, for those of you who have who are convicted by the the pages that I read from that book, all you have to do is repent quickly in your heart. Before you even say, oh, Lord, forgive me, he's jumping to say, I forgive you. You can't even finish your sentence. You can be completely clean and whole. Yesterday ended last night. It's a new day. Now, as we go, because it is late, and we will hopefully fill in some blanks next week, maybe. Or you'll get a sheet with all the blanks filled in. (laughs) I I really want to encourage you, women of God, 
want to challenge you. I know I gave you the 40-day challenge to bow. Good. (laughs) But I really encourage you, will you read chapter 5 of Acts? Will you read it? Good. God has something to say to you. And you can hear him if you listen. This morning, the Lord spoke to my heart. And when he spoke, when he speaks, everything changes. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through um, wise counsel. He speaks to us in our hearts. Sometimes he speaks out loud. But he is a God who speaks. And he's closer than you can even comprehend. So read the word with him. Come in deeper. In my life, I've seen too many times when we bumped up against revival. And then it got hard and the individual shrunk back. Or a fence rose up, or just give me place to to things that that hurt your relationship with God, and I just feel like it's such a new day when God, who is a consuming fire, wants to fill us with His. Holy Spirit fire, holy, holy, holy. His Holy Spirit fire. I truly believe that it's time for us to take that step forward with him. Another one. And so, Father, I impart to these women who you love such a hunger for your word. Oh, Father, that they will have a hunger like the people in China do. Who, if they can hold your word for one hour, they memorize as much as they can. Because somebody else will get it for the next hour. And so, Father, I ask for that kind of hunger. <laughs> Lord, I ask that we will wake up in the morning and we'll just, we'll just be like, I can't wait to get in the Word. I can't wait to get. I can't wait to be with Jesus and just get in the Word and eat of Him and drink of Him and <laughs> enjoy His love. So, Father, may we have that kind of hunger. And, Father, I, I also impart an understanding of your word that minds will be able to comprehend and receive and understand your word. Father, I ask for the disabilities in the minds, any dyslexia. Oh, God, any kind of disorder. Oh, God, heal. Heal, mighty one, heal. Pour in your healing. Lord Jesus, pour in your healing. 
Father, for memories that have not worked and for inability to memorize. Oh, God, heal. Heal memories. Heal memory banks. Oh, God, bring them to life. Bring to life the ability to memorize. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you will. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, that you will. Thanks, Father. You're so good. Oh, you're so good. You're so good. Prayer team, you come forward. Thank you, prayer team, for ministering. Thank you for ministering to us every week and for coming ready so that we can get healed and delivered and saved. (laughs) So thank you. Okay, go get your kids. You know what? You've got like two minutes. So go get your kids. Come get prayer fast. Get healed fast. Go get your kids, and we'll see you next week. I love you.